0: Oh, this one's gonna be legendary. We're fired up, we're tuned up, and we are ready to send it. Senor, are you all settled in? Love to see it. Thumbs up all around. Well, shall we get this show on the road? Fantastic. Fantastic. Without further ado, Ham Planet Podcast, episode number four. Is prepared for takeoff in five, four, three, two, and one. Top of the morning, folks. Good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Ham Planet Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Ham, and I'm pretty hyped to say that today is a historic episode on the Ham Planet Podcast. We have the distinguished honor of having our first ever professional athlete on the good old Ham Planet podcast. Hopefully the first to many, but we are coming out of the gate strong with one of the finest men I know. It is a great honor for me to introduce our speaker today. He is the type of guy that steps up to the plate in life and on the field. He's a one of a kind guest, and I'm very thankful to say that Today's guest has been a great friend of mine ever since we were kiddos. We go back and uh, we grew up in good old Mansfield, Texas together. And it's an awesome thing that he is still a good friend of mine to this day. He proudly represents the good old Crowder Rough Riders and Shocker Nation of Wichita State. He is a man who knows how to smack a baseball into the stadium stands, there's no doubt in that. And his incredible story and his incredible journey really speaks volumes to his perseverance and his passion for the game of baseball. He's got the heart of a lion, he's a proud American, he's a proud Texan, and he's a proud soon-to-be husband. Without further ado, the man of the hour, Mr. Sam Hilliard. Sam, how are we doing, brother?
1: Hey, thanks for having me, uh, senor. Great to be here. Um, like I tell you all the time, man, we've been waiting for this day for you to start a podcast. Glad you finally did it, and I'm super thankful you asked me to join. I know you're going to kill it, dude. I love it.
0: And it's great to have you, brother. You know, when I started the Hand Planted Podcast, I began to think, who are the people in my life who I always have a damn good time with. And I'm happy to say that you were one of the first on that list, senor. So it's an honor. And I know we've got a fantastic podcast ahead of us. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. I got a million questions I could ask you, senor. But I feel like this is going to be a good one to get the old cranium juices flowing. So you've had quite the journey in regards to your baseball career. And maybe everyone out there doesn't know about that entire journey that you've went through, because it's taken you all over the United States. It's taken you to different towns. It's taken you to different teams. And uh, I know it wasn't easy. So I'm sure we could write a novel on this question. But Senor, go ahead and tap us in to the Sam Hilliard baseball journey. And um, I guess a great place to start would be, how did you fall in love with baseball? And when did your passion for baseball really come to life?
1: Man, so gosh, you're right. I could talk for hours. But uh, passion for baseball began the first time I ever played. Like, I mean, growing up, I always knew it was the sport for me. Uh, I was always pretty good at other sports, but I just always had like this love for baseball, genuinely good hoop. deeply. Like pretty good hooper I mean, back in the day. Back in the day, now I'm garbage. But uh, anyways, so like just always had a love for the game, and I knew that it was the sport I was the best at. And I, honestly, I didn't know that I had uh, the ability to play professionally at the highest level until like I got into college. Because I was kind of a late bloomer, so I always knew I wanted to play as long as I could. And right. I went to college uh, my first year of junior college. Like I didn't have any offers anywhere else except for one Juco. Went there just to continue the dream and just be with the boys and play. Like, that's uh, what we love to do, you know, just get on the field and compete. Play the game. You love yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, you know how it is. You, you're a rugby guy. So, it's oh, kind of yeah. insane. but uh, Love of the game. Dude, so – Throughout my sophomore year of college, like I kind of fully started developing and uh, got drafted as a pitcher out of out of junior college. And huh. then uh, next year, I went to Division One at Wichita State, Go Shockers! And uh, Shocker Nation, let's go! Let's fire up! Shocker Nation, great, great and, program. Yeah, and dude, I don't know, I just had some good coaching um, and just kind of started swinging the stick. I started putting up numbers offensively and uh, the Rockies took a flyer on me in the 15th round um, as an outfielder. And dude, I knew, you know, I wasn't dropping oh, high, but yes. I knew like right when I got to the pro ball, like I can do this because I saw the talent around me and I knew that I, like I personally felt like I was the best player on the field every time I stepped foot on there. And I feel that's like that's the mentality you need. that I have. Oh, yes. dude. And um, you know, it's just been, I was never a huge prospect or anything like that, but um, I could talk for days about my journey through the minor leagues, but no one wants to hear about that. They want to hear about the big leagues. And so, dude, five years later, I made my debut in August of of 2019. And – Yes, sir. I mean, we haven't played baseball since the end of last season because of freaking corona. But, yeah, dude, it's been a crazy ride.
0: Indeed, indeed, senor. It's – absolutely has been a crazy ride, a wild ride. And to me, it honestly just seems like it was just yesterday that we were at good old Jail Boren off Walnut Creek. And, you know, fast forward two decades, now you're playing in the major leagues, you're with the Rockies, you're doing great. And there's been a lot that's happened during those uh, two decades you've you've played at various colleges you've played at more minor league teams than i c- can count and you know you've put tons of hours in of work and there's been times where maybe you didn't know if you're going to make it to the next level or maybe you didn't know if you were good enough and so on and so forth but you were and you are and couldn't be more happy to see where you are today and I know you're part of a great organization with the Rockies and the most beautiful thing of all though is that the story of Samuel Hilliard is really just getting started it's really just getting started and that's what gets me the most hype and in my opinion that's the most beautiful thing of it all is that the best is yet to come brother
1: yeah, man. I mean, no doubt about it. I believe the same thing is just getting started and um, just coming up through the minor leagues and finally getting to the big leagues. I think every single baseball player who's been through the same journey that I have says, I'm not going back. <laughs> like right when you get yeah. there, you're like, I ain't going back. Like <laughs> screw that because it's really amazing. Like the, uh, the amount of difference between AAA and the big leagues is yeah the grind of the minor leagues is a true beast like it's, it's absolutely stuck. i feel like
0: a lot of people really don't know how how intense yeah. they put the minor league players through such a grind to you know weed weed out the most exceptional talent and it's like yeah. it's a lot i remember you calling me and being like brother i'm on a 10 minute or a, a 10 hour bus ride and I'm driving through like Idaho, and we just played this tune. And dude, you know, I played, I played good, but that. we got we got a game tomorrow. And bro, you they they keep y'all moving and grooving, and they
1: put y'all through. Yeah.
0: The, they put y'all through a lot. It's
1: it's no doubt, dude. Uh, it's a very physically tasking, but it's also very mentally tasking. Because I mean. Baseball is a type of sport, and I know every sport has its different challenges. But uh, you know, if you fail seven times out of ten at the highest level, then you're considered great. So, um, so that part alone is very mentally challenging. But whenever you're in the minor leagues, and dude, one of our longest road trips, uh, whenever I first got drafted in rookie ball, yeah, was 16 hours. We went from Colorado to uh, Helena, Montana, and. Jesus Murphy, if you put in,
0: Montana. If you Great put place. that in your
1: maps, it'll probably say a little less than that. But we were on a freaking bus uh, with some old dude driving like 20 miles an hour in the speed limit. So, and Jeez. it's just you know we had people That's bringing yoga mats, laying on the floor, bringing hammocks, trying to hammock in the bus. But it wasn't a sleeper bus. It was just like a normal charter bus. So yeah,
0: it ain't no Ritz dude. Carlson.
1: It's not Ritz Carlton, no, it's not, <laughs> dude. But uh, it's just like things like that you got to grind through. And I truly believe that uh, playing junior college baseball, it's not glamorous whatsoever. It's not in the limelight. You got to really, there's you know, the circumstances are not ideal for a baseball player. I kind of dealt yeah. with that for two years, and I feel like I kind of had the upper hand uh, versus right. guys that were coming out of high school or coming out of giant Division One programs. Oh, they weren't yeah. used to that type of stuff, and and so I kind of I was easily you know adapting to it, and just the the sixteen hour bus rides is like man, I'm in professional baseball as long as I get to play, like let's go, I'm fired up, like I'm down. It doesn't matter.
0: Oh yeah, and once you say like currently now, if you think about all of those times, all that all that kind of shit you went through, that oh, was extremely difficult and extremely tasking mentally, physically. And that's a major component that, to what keeps you the fire burning bright and the passion stronger than ever.
1: 100%, dude. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really easy to think back about those times because they weren't that far uh, Yeah, away. You know, the, it was a couple years ago, so you're like, man, I easily remember that. And it's, uh, it's just a simple fact of, like, yeah, it made me – better and like but i don't want to go back to that <laughs> because the traveling sucks and like the hotels and the uh you know all that stuff it just sucks so uh, yeah that's like a huge motivator right there it's just the fact that man this is really been there. i don't want to go back yeah have been there done that i'm good i'm gucci i don't want to go back.
0: amen brother and i mean <laughs> so i said something that can really relate to everyone's life they can think about Okay. Think about where you are in your current position and then think about a time in your life where you really were battling and you were struggling and you were maybe, you know, chasing a dream, chasing a championship or chasing opportunity and shit wasn't easy, but it's better right now than it used to be. You got to think about that. And I think, I think that's very relevant to your career, brother. And one thing I do want to ask is, you know, the journey's been long and you mentioned you've had a lot of great people and coaches that have helped tremendously along the way. What's, uh, what's one of the coaches that has really impacted you the most and how has he impacted you so, uh, so greatly?
1: Man. So, um, A coach that really just comes to mind is – his name is Travis Lolleman, and he was the head coach at my junior college in uh, Neosho, Missouri. And the junior college is called Crack. So, I mean, it was just my second junior college. It was my sophomore year. I was coming in, um, transferring from another one. And uh, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but this guy uh, just kind of had like a – he's a hard ass. Kind of had like a military style type approach to coaching. And uh, I like that.
0: That's, that's, what yeah, dude.
1: Gets me fired for me, up. For me, it takes a, you know, I think a kick in the ass and blood, sweat, and tears and bringing a team together through suffering. Really, there's nothing that brings a squad of, of men together more than that. And so, like, Damn right. Fall like baseball's played in the spring, so the fall is when we do our intense off-season workouts. We we had this workout regimen called post-fall, and uh, it was just about four weeks of grueling, like just ridiculous workouts. that don't even make sense, but you're just doing them because they're going to make you puke. And you know, if you don't complete it, you fail your teammate next to you and your brother, and you don't want to be that guy. So it's like truly one of those experiences where. Um, I can say that I was pushed to limits. I I wasn't aware that I had. And uh, he instilled that. Yeah, he instilled that. And it brought out a different part of me that I didn't know I had. And I truly think that's whenever my baseball career started to take off. Uh, But whenever you get on the field with those guys that you puked in trash cans next to and bled and cried next to, like, seriously. Oh, uh, yeah. You don't want to fail that guy. And you're on the field and you're like, this guy's my brother. Like, we've gone through the same thing. Um, I don't want to fail. And we ended up winning almost every game that year. Uh, it's a, an unfortunate event led to us not making the World Series. Uh, but we were one of the best teams in the nation. And It's junior college. But, dude, people knocked Juco. But I oh, have a lot of great things to say about it. Uh, a lot of talent guy, in Juco. Yeah, man. And that guy just instilled uh, a different type of work ethic in me that I didn't know uh, that I was capable of, I continue. I think to carry to this day to continues to help me.
0: That's awesome. Does he still coach out there?
1: Yeah, man, he's still the coach out there, and uh, he's done a lot for that program. Shout out to Crowder Baseball, dude. Shout out Crowder Baseball. Hell of a team. They have a facility now. It's an indoor like uh, baseball facility with a weight room and everything. It's nicer than a lot of Division One programs. And that's due to the work that that dude's put in, and his coaching staff. Um, man, they just freaking get after it, and they mold, they mold kids into men like it's nobody's business. So that's what they do over there. You love to
0: see that, you really do. And there's so many, there's so many great uh, schools, and uh, yeah, schools that really have some phenomenal coaches and teachers and mentors that are literally some of the best in the world and not a lot of people know about them. And uh, it's a damn good feeling to be a part of
1: one of them really pushing you to the brinks. And I can right relate, man. brother. Yeah, I can relate being going through baseball and just the different levels, it really kind of opens your eyes to, you know, it's like you meet people that you wouldn't meet otherwise going up through the minor leagues and just through college baseball. Like you said, there's just, just hidden gems everywhere, man. Like I've met some of the most phenomenal people. I know I was talking a little crap on the minor leagues, but uh, it's got some of my most fond memories and
0: absolutely
1: precious friendships and just like the best coaches I've ever met. So You know, a lot of times you got to go through a bunch of crap to meet some really incredible people. And I know you know that. But, yeah.
0: Hey, it's the truth. It is the truth. Brother Sam, another question for you. So, I know you you smacked quite a few home runs last year. I want to know, walk me through and get – Get as animated as you want or can. How did your, how did the first home run feel? What was that moment like? What was going through your mind? What was going through your body? I know Hunter was there. The rest of the boy, the family, the, every the squad was there. Everyone in Mansfield was tuning in. What, what, what was going on within Sam Hilliard during that? Great
1: moment. So, yeah, the, the, the first big league homer, man. Uh, to be honest, I don't remember, like, after hitting it, I remember making contact with the ball. Boom. I knew it was gone. I'm going to hit it. It's one of the best things in the world. If you haven't tried it, it should. But uh, made contact. Knew it was gone. And then the next thing I remember, I was uh, stepping on second base, and I was just telling myself, don't trip <laughs> i was it's like don't, trip. don't fall because at that moment i started feeling my knees shake and i was like you might fall like, don't fall like and the it, intense
0: it, shake shaky yeah.
1: shakies the intense just restless no. shaky shakies. bro and, i uh, know. <laughs> you know i could imagine yeah, it's just like the total i mean the thing is, is like it was a total blackout moment uh, except for stepping on second base um my brain just went completely shut off. I don't know why, but it it could have been because of the adrenaline. It could have been, I don't know. But next thing I remember after that was uh, coming into the dugout and just being mauled by the boys. They were fired up. Yeah. And then that's all I remember. So I remember squaring it up, stepping on second and that's it. So (laughs) I, I don't have very much information to offer for that particular Homer because brain you, just went into it you offered um, all all the information you could it was so yeah.
0: great that you blacked out
1: yeah but i've definitely went back and watched it several times since then and uh, I, I i have too and my favorite part is when the camera pans to uh my best friends shane eric and hunter and my family you know, yep. in the stands and they're like, splashing everywhere <laughs> yeah I was 0 for 3 at that point. No, I was 0 for 2. I wasn't having a good game. I made an error in the field. And so, like, at that point, it was kind of a disastrous Major League debut. And then uh, it was my last at-bat of the game. We were getting killed by the Red Sox. And I just, like, hit – in the grand scheme of the game, it was kind of like a meaningless home run because we still got beat pretty bad. Right. But that's like, like, the camera panned, and they were just like – a mall session. just a wrestling, like Shane just tackled uh, Eric and Hunter. and uh, Oh, yeah. They were, they were so getting rowdy. Makes me smile big time.
0: Bro, it, it will always make me smile for <laughs>
1: years you and dude.
0: You should have been there. there, been there. I, I know. I know I should have. And I'm pissed I hey, wasn't.
1: You're a busy man. I understand.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I'm coming to a game this year.
1: Maybe not this year because of the.
0: Uh, I'm sneaking in. I'm gonna put on my Rona suit. Um
1: Hey, I don't. I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that a uh, San Francisco Giants. They're yeah. allowing their fans. They're they're like, hey, you can pay hundred bucks, and we can put like a cardboard cutout of you in the stands for the game. Because <laughs> there's not gonna be fans, but they're gonna be on TV. So. You could Are you shitting me? Up. Maybe you could hit it up. No, I'm not. I mean. I don't know if
0: that's true. I'm not doing that. Told that. I don't want to be seen in those stands. I'm not a. I'm not a Giants fan. I'm a Colorado Rockies fan and a Rangers fan.
1: Good answer. Good answer. <laughs>
0: that's a. That's a true answer.
1: Which is that is, is a, good a true answer. answer. And hey, I got respect uh, for that. You know, the Rangers fandom. I grew up a Rangers fan, but uh, now yep. it's, it's time to abandon that and go uh, complete.
0: It's Rocky Nation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Rocky Nation. Forever.
0: Honestly, Maybe. it's a damn – they're a damn good uh, team. And it's one of my dad's favorite teams. So, I've grown up watching a lot of Rockies games. And my dad – my dad loves just Colorado in general. And you know my dad's a big baseball guy. Yeah. But played, played – played in college – played catcher. My dad was a sick catcher.
1: Yeah, yeah um, dude.
0: Yeah. He played minor league bowl. I'm forgetting the team. But yeah, Colorado, it runs in the blood. So I'm happier yeah. there, Samuel. Very happier there. Heck yeah. Brother, so <sighs> get a little deep on this one. If brother Sam, Senor Sam Samuel's son, Hilliard's son, To turn back the clocks to when he was 18, what would you tell yourself? What would you tell him? Wow.
1: Loaded when I was 18, man.
0: 18 Samuel. I would
1: tell myself, um, hey, listen, you little idiot. <laughs> this is <laughs> what I would first say.
0: You're being nice.
1: I would would call myself
0: something worse.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would say, um, man, be patient because it's going to be a, it's not going to be like that. Like you're still in the process of growing up. Like you're not even close. I still am to this day, to be honest. But, um, I would say, man, I know baseball is your dream and, it's not going to happen like that. You have a crazy bumpy road ahead of you. You are going to meet some incredible people. You're going to grind. You're going to meet an incredible woman. You're going to marry. And I would just say like,
0: don't get used to
1: one spot because you're going to be bouncing around. You're going to go from one college to the next every year, three colleges in three years. And uh, you're really going to, you're going to find something's going to click and, it's going to click at the right time. Uh, I'm not trying to jinx it or anything, 18 year old Sam, but uh, it's, yeah, believe it, believe in yourself. Um, and just know that you're capable of competing at the highest level. Maybe not now, but you will be, if you continue to put the work in. And, uh, I mean, at that age, I didn't know what work ethic or anything like that truly meant. Um, not right, bit, but you will, you will, you'll figure it out.
0: I love it, brother. Yeah, it's kind of, I always that's a question I kind of think about all the time. And you know, it would be a great thing to do to be able to do that and go back be cheating. Get, yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah, and there'd have to be some crazy science involved, but. Always a good, always a good, good hand planet podcast question.
1: <laughs> that is a good question, man. I would have a lot of others. Yeah, like you said, maybe insults, maybe harsh words. Oh, uh, yeah. We could save I'd that say, for another conversation.
0: Yeah. I, I'd probably uh, use some colorful language, get myself in check. Give all in sense. sometimes what you need. Hey. I knew 18 year old PD.
1: I knew 18 year old PD. And was a good guy. Good guy. Good intentions, but serious, some serious, some serious savage. (laughs) (laughs) He was a serious savage and we had the greatest times ever, man. So I don't know. I wouldn't say anything. So you might have something else to say, but I would say keep doing your thing, brother.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, there was no There's no problems at 18, brother was about to be a, a good old Baylor Bear. Yeah. I mean – So, I was pretty – I was honestly – when I was 18, I was – honestly, from the age of 16, 16 – to 18, I was pretty tight-knit. Or seven, 17 to 18. I was kind of tight-knit definitely for those yeah. two years because that's when I really – really started to embrace being a leader and being a guy who who wants to have good intentions in the world and not just be you know the goofy the the goofy crazy hilarious guy in the bunch you know I I started to figure out then that okay I've got some things that I'm really passionate about I got some things that I want to do in life and it all started to kind of come together but oh definitely definitely a, a long windy road but
1: right and you you you're happy where
0: uh, it is yeah you had your
1: vision set and you were definitely get a good guy we both were but we we got into some trouble that's what i meant we did we oh, got yeah. into some trouble together when we were 18 17 and uh you know some things we probably shouldn't talk about <laughs> Nothing crazy, but I mean, we just—it's what eighteen-year-olds just, do. So you know,
0: we, we had some—we had, had some valuable, we have some valuable learning experiences, and yeah, you know, I'll be honest—I think there's a lot of advantages to making most certain types of mistakes. I guess I'd say when you're a younger guy, when you're you know, kind of in that high school, early college age, it's okay to kind of stumble a little bit then. Obviously, you're not doing some crazy shit that might do some damage. But you're going to fail. You're going to learn that there's some things maybe you shouldn't do. And there's some things that you probably should do a lot more of. And that's definitely – I would definitely uh, reiterate that to myself if I could go back.
1: Yeah. Hey, failure is the best teacher. Amen.
0: That's a fact. Amen. That's a big fact. Yeah. Well, Brother Samuel, what would you say is one of the most important things you learned in life? And what was your life like? Now, let me add this. What was your life like before you learned this thing that was the most valuable? lesson of your life. And then what was your life like after you learned it?
1: Well, I think it would just kind of be going back to kind of what we've been talking about is with the, the time in the year that I learned, um, what it truly took and what it truly meant to, to work and to get after it and to put your mind to something that you truly want and to, what it takes to achieve success in the field that you, you know, you see yourself doing like in my dream, which is baseball, what it took for me to achieve that. And, uh, before that, I would say I was a kid who had fun and had a pretty good amount of talent. And I always got by skated by, uh, sometimes I would perform right. really well. Sometimes I wouldn't, I wouldn't really know why, but it was just like, I was having fun with my boys playing baseball the game that I love and then it truly took a turn at the year crowder that I was speaking about earlier where it was like okay I finally started to learn this is what makes you good this is what hurts you not only this is what can take
0: you to the next level
1: right not only on the field but off the field and I started to play against really good talent I started to learn like okay, like if I keep doing it this way, like I can truly compete against the best talent. And uh, yeah, I would say after I learned that, man, it just like, it's something that never stops. You have to keep doing it, especially at this level. There's no relying on talent. <laughs> I mean, yeah. some people might be able to do it, but for most, not like really, me, I mean, you can't just rely on talent alone. You have to constantly be, everyone's got a lot about- of talent everything yeah everyone has so much talent it's the most talent in the world you have to be focused it's mind-blowing on your routine every day what time you go in the cage like working out lifting weights rolling out your soft tissue stuff like your sleep schedule what you eat and it's stuff that when you're in high school and your first years of college like don't care about that like you just want to go play the game you you've always played the way you've always played it but now it's like okay like, if I don't do this, I'm not going to feel prepared. And that's one of the most single important things I think in baseball for me is whenever I'm playing and I'm in the batter's box, if I feel like I'm more prepared than the pitcher, because it's truly like when you're in the box, it's one-on-one, man. It's like this guy versus me. Right. Uh, it's like if I feel like I'm prepared and I'm more prepared than that guy, it gives me the confidence to – do what I need to do. But if I'm up there and I'm like, I haven't watched film on this guy. I have never seen this guy. I don't know what this guy does. I don't know what his pitch does. Uh, You're screwed. So it's all about the mindset, walking into the box, but I'm kind of getting away from the original question. But uh, dude, it's just, I would say the most important thing that I've learned is, is that just what it takes to become a professional and the day in and day out work that I have to do. And it's not easy. It kind of sucks sometimes. So oh, yeah. knowing how important it is and knowing what it takes for you as an individual cuz everyone's different. Uh, I would say yeah. that.
0: Brother, I love it and,
1: you know, one thing you really
0: you really hit on is that a huge and the major aspect of it is that it's really what happens off the field that takes you from that good to great level and it's just a multi facet um sort of training approach that you got to take to yeah. elevate yourself and you know i i respect that and that that sort of kind of optimization to be a better self is something not only baseball players can implement all types of athletes can implement all types of business right. professionals and you know
1: yeah and uh, going back to, like what you said, off the field stuff, man, one thing I realized later in my baseball career, how important it was, was uh, like visualization techniques. And I mean, you can apply this to anything, whether it be a sport or in the business world or whatever. Visualization for me is one of the things that really helped me in my career the most. I remember uh, at my junior year at Wichita State, Go Shockers. Go
0: Shockers. Uh, Shocker Nation.
1: Our our coach gave us his packet, and it was about a story of some guy who was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. And uh, before then, dude, I had nothing to do with visualization. I was like, just go out there, see ball, hit ball, you know? It doesn't matter who I'm facing that day. (laughs) And I just didn't really prepare that much. And it was a story about this guy who was a prisoner of war, and he was like an below average golfer back in the States, you know, he liked golf, but he wasn't that good. And, uh, he was a prisoner war for five years. And the thing that he did from making rough. himself go completely crazy was visualizing himself playing his favorite golf course every single day, multiple wow. times a day. And so he would like see himself, okay, lining up the ball, hitting it, taking every step. It was going to be a perfect shot. Every time he hit it, taking every step to the ball, pulling a spell about everything that you do but he was hitting a perfect shot every time and uh, five years later he got released and yeah. he went in and, and his first round back from being a pow without playing he improved his game by 15 strokes and uh, i i mean i wish i could provide some that's sort of like name or some sort of source for that story but uh
0: i'm sure we can I find it, it was, i mean d- yeah i mean uh, type in uh Viet- vietnam you said Yeah.
1: And dude, but my coach is a trustworthy guy. I mean, he's not going to print out like a, some BS packet. And after that, I was like, you're freaking kidding me. There's no way. And then I started trying to dabble with it. And then now truly now I understand the power that visualization has. I mean, if you see yourself have success before you do it, it just increases your confidence and your chances of actually making it happen. And it just makes me feel so much more prepared, man. And I mean, like, I would advocate anybody, like, that's one of the most important things in my game. And it's not just for baseball, it's for life, for sure.
0: Amen to that, brother. That is – I don't know if truer words have been spoken on the Hand Planet podcast, but envisioning, envisioning things has been something I've relied on, too. And, you know, when I do it in rugby – it's one thing I would always do is when I play eight man and I've I played a variety of positions, but particularly in this position, I would envision myself, you know, I'm scoring, like I'm going to grab the ball after the scrum and I'm putting it in. Don't give a shit who's in my way. Don't care if someone's going to try and tackle me. I'm seeing it. I'm believing it. I'm making it happen. And I began to translate that to my life started to say like, oh, okay, well if I can see if I can see things come to fruition on the rugby pitch and the game I play, maybe I can do that in real life. And it's not an easy thing to kind of grasp with because sports is it's a different type of test. But I think utilizing that vision and Applying it to every aspect of your life is an awesome thing to do. Me and Sam, huge, huge advocates of it.
1: Huge advocates.
0: Huge advocates, ladies and gentlemen. This podcast is brought to you by the huge advocates for utilizing your life vision. Visit utilizingyourlifevision.com and use the code SENIOR and Senor. 50% 50 so off. <laughs> Utilize your visualization. That's a, deal.
1: That's Folks, a hell you're of losing deal. money if you don't do it. Seriously, it's a good yeah, deal.
0: definitely losing money. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, come on, excellent, excellent course,
1: excellent course. Yeah. So one more thing about the visualization before we move on, Senor. I want uh, to hear it, Senor. One thing, one thing that the Rockies have in the big leagues is this float tank, and it's a tank where it's completely soundproof, uh, lightproof, completely pitch black. And there's like a foot of salt water uh, and you, you look at it and you're like, there's no way I'm going to float It's too shallow. And then you, you lay down and you just go right to the top. And so you lay in there for about an hour and it's truly one of the only times in life where you don't have any distractions because you can't feel anything. It feels like you're floating and it kind of doesn't anything.
0: feel like normal water, right?
1: No, it's, it's weird. It's like, uh, it it feels like you're floating in space because there's no light, no sound. It's not normal water. You just go right. Y'all have awesome
0: shit in the pros.
1: (sighs) (laughs) I love it. Y'all need it. Cool. Yeah. But, uh, so it's one of the, or maybe the only time in life where there's truly been no distractions whatsoever. And you can really, really let your mind like go and just explore.
0: What are the yeah. name of uh, these these pods again? I couldn't
1: tell you. They, it's they, it's they use salt tank. water, right? A
0: float tank. Yeah, they
1: use salt water, and it's like a little door you go in that's like really small, so you kind of gotta crawl in there. Yeah, um, it's
0: like a little spaceship type thing. But I just thing remember shoots off a rocket.
1: Yeah, and I just remember laying in there and really like I went and watched film of the picture we were facing that night last year. And I went in there and no. tried to visualize myself uh, facing him. And it was the one time in my life I could really say it, I felt like I was actually doing it because there was nothing distracting my mind. It was really just like feeling the true power of my mind. And no. that night I went out and I had a really good game And that. And the next night I went oh out and I had a, a really good game. And I just truly believe that. I mean, I know a lot of people don't have access to a freaking float thing, But, uh, dude, it's just like, I'm going to utilize that so much for the rest of my career. If I can, I thought it was one of the coolest things ever.
0: I've heard such great things about those and I definitely want to do one. And, you know, meditation is something that I've, you know, I've been, I've gone on streaks in my life where, okay, I've been doing a lot of meditation and then I'm not doing it and I'm doing it and I'm not. But Um, I've been doing it lately and I would love to do it in a float tank, which I'm going a, I'm to a look into that. Maybe that'll be my little 4th <laughs> fourth of, fourth of July present. But yeah, what I do is I just pick one thing like around me and then put, I put my phone on airplane mode, pick this one thing around me, Set my alarm, set my timer for 10 minutes, And it can be anything, it could be a leaf. It could be a leaf. I could be walking rocky, it could be a leaf. And I'll just try and stare at it for 10 minutes and just try and like not let any other thoughts come into my mind except the current present moment. And it's been a good form of meditation. Hey, and it's free. So I think meditation is something that everyone should try and squeeze into their day and i agree
1: if you can do it in a float
0: tank definitely find a float tank
1: i use the app called calm have you heard of that app yeah i've
0: I've heard of it i haven't really used it is it solid
1: it's pretty solid i mean they have like daily meditation exercises and uh the the thing that i really like about it is they have like sleep stories you can have like matthew mcconaughey Telling you a bedtime story. I'm sold. Dude, he's talking about space. You can count me out in about two seconds.
0: is great. McConaughey.
1: We were talking about him.
0: Too. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I saw him. I heard he, him in the commercial. Yeah. Yeah. I need to. I need to dive more into calm because you know I like my staring at a leaf approach, but it would be nice to have a little help.
1: Hey, the leaf approach sounds good. I mean, it's free, and you're really using the power of your own mind. You're not relying on anyone else, so I think. That I hate. When, I hate when a,
0: sh- uh, a shitty car drives by though, It's like an old one, when I'm doing it, and yeah. it's kind of, you know, yeah. haunt, a little loud, loud. But
1: we're gotta get the hound gotta, sees got, a squirrel.
0: Yeah, the hound. The hound will see a squirrel, and that'll interrupt. But. <laughs> It's all good tests of the mind. That's for sure. Senor, you got engaged recently to an amazing woman, cat, lover. Hype for you. Hype for both of y'all. Great couple. Thanks, Brother, how do, you and cat, how do you and cat meet? Give us a little love story. Tune us in. We haven't had any romance on the podcast, so I know, uh, I know, I know the listeners are going to love it.
1: Well, if you're looking for a really romantic story about how we met, you will not find a Because Take it where you want it. I can make something up.
0: Uh, (laughs) Don't make anything up.
1: Okay, so – Tell me a little bit about Kyle. Yeah, so basically we met – she went to Martin, which is a rival high school of our high school, Mansfield – but it's in a different city so it's not like you know we live probably 20 minutes away and uh her, i'm skipping
0: a jump down 360. yeah
1: 287 360 wherever you want i prefer 287 but
0: both, um both solid
1: so a lot of guys that i played with in my select baseball uh, organization went to her high school so i'd hang out with them on the weekends in that and they would hang out with her too so that's kind of how i met her but she had a boyfriend through college and, uh, and so we kind of, my very first off season, 2015 in the fall, the winter, yep. uh, I hung out with some of my buddies who I had always grown up playing baseball with, and she was there. And we just hit it off. Um, I love you know, we, we saw each other and we just kind of hung out that whole night and we hit it off, man. I knew something was there and I got her number and asked her on a date. We went on a date. Where'd and, you go uh, on a date? We went to uh, rave. It's not a rave. It's a movie theater called Rave, and it's like okay. one of those movie theaters where they bring you food and alcohol, and like you sit in a recliner. So I love. I'm those. not taking her to, to any. Just you know, like the Cinemark. I'm taking her to a nice movie. Oh yeah. But, uh, uh, <laughs>
0: uh, what uh, studio movie girl? Is that where y'all went?
1: It's similar to that. It's called Rave, but uh, yeah, we saw da- Daddy's Home with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg underrated film it's pretty funny and uh, that's a deal like. we went to the movie and like you know I don't think either one of us were really looking for a relationship whatever something was there so I was getting ready to go back to spring training for my first time she was getting ready to go back to school uh, so we were like you know we like each other but I don't know if it's gonna work and then, anyways she goes to Georgia back to school she played division one volleyball Humble brag in yep. Georgia. Crushed her. Uh, she's a beast. And so she left, and I was like, uh, you know, I'm not going to let this one get away, pretty much. I'm like, I got something here. So I went. I got go to go get her. I flew, I flew out there uh, like a couple, like a week maybe after she left. I went to her and we hung out for a day or two, and I asked her to be my girlfriend. And then the rest is history, man. We got engaged in. December 2019 and uh we got where'd you do the Ridge engagement
0: yeah Breckenridge,
1: Colorado
0: yeah dude, give me the. Ru- uh, how did it go down give me the rundown give me the step-by-step play-by-play all
1: right play-by-play uh took her on a romantic one horse open sleigh ride in the mountains so that's that's we, awesome yeah so, she's a huge Christmas freak. Anything about Christmas, her she loves, like, her whole Senor, family loves everything.
0: Senor Samuel, yeah. the Santa Claus, coming through town yeah. with a sleigh. Wait till this
1: beer gets white, then she'll really, then she'll really oh, like me. That's but, a uh, new game. For me. <laughs> anyways, um, one horse open sleigh. I I selected the romantic package, the bottle of champagne, some blankies or whatever, and I hired, a, like, a photographer to wait out there, and it was, like, in December in Breckenridge, so it was really freaking cold it was four degrees that day anyways uh the, the sleigh driver had some spiel about you know the horse is tired we gotta rest why don't you go over there it's like a, a really pretty area I had this set up with the photographer we're going to walk out there whatever and so I thought it was going to be like 45 minutes an hour into the ride because it's a freaking huge horse i not going to get tired it was like four minutes into the ride she stopped. And I wasn't yeah. prepared at all. I, I thought I was going to have a lot of time. Uh, she said the horse is tired. So I think Kat knew something was up. But anyways, we walked over to the mark that we're supposed to go to. Proposed the Was the horse,
0: no. horse actually tired?
1: No chance. No, no. chance. It's a, it's a beast. It's uh, it's not phased by human weight. Um, but absolutely, it worked. She said, yes, man. And. The rest is history. We're That's getting awesome. married December twelfth of this year. Uh, God willing. There's no corona nonsense going on. So yeah, yep. man, it's been awesome.
0: Brother, so happy for you. You you've got an amazing girl. Love her to death. Love her to death. She's part she's part of the she's part of the family. She's the goat. <laughs> Thank you. She's great. And it's gonna be a damn good time at the wedding.
1: Yeah, it is. Hey, are you ready for the bachelor party? Brother,
0: I'm ready and I'm fired up. Oh, I heard the news. We're going to go I'll, get uh, some I'll, fish.
1: Some big boys. Some big boys have a fish fry. I think we're going to do a little fishing tournament, man. We're going to make t-shirts. You want to be on That's, my team if you want to win, just let you know.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm on your team, brother. Kay. I'm on your team, no doubt. We're putting that – this is – uh if you're hearing this, a few months from now this is me confirming that me and Sam same fishing team
1: we're gonna have some people mad about this one but hey it's on the air it's live so there's no going back now boys and girls it's
0: it's, it's live and we're gonna bring in the big boys simple as that but Matagorda Bay
1: right Matagorda Bay Texas if you haven't been there should it's heaven on earth
0: it so I've never been, but Sam, Sam has been quite a few times. I know quite a few of the squad's been too. So it's a beautiful, uh, kind of oasis-like area. Tons of fish. Get what is Matagor? Give me the, give
1: me the preview, so right man. Ma- Mat- so Bay, little, I'm I mean, excited. It's not going to be like the prettiest sight you've ever seen in your life. Don't get me wrong; it's beautiful. It's not like your clear blue waters of Cancun or anything like that, but uh my uncle has a house down there, and he has got a boat, and we're gonna go out there and love your thing. uncle Uncle Mike hey, if anyone knows Uncle Mike shout out Uncle you know Mike we're talking about I hope Uncle Mike is listening <laughs> probably not oh we're gonna
0: we gotta right? make sure Uncle Mike listens yeah, had a great scary he, time hanging out with him last time yeah.
1: he's my dad's brother, and he's just like. A good time to hang out with. And he's so yeah, funny. He's hilarious. Is. He's the crazy uncle in a good way. But uh so Matagoria oh, yeah. is got a house on there. It's a huge bay in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, you can barely see the other side of it, but it's about five, six feet deep at its deepest part. So you can pretty much wade fish the whole thing. Um oh, but, wow. you, know, you catch yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, but it's a little sketch at times because it gets a little deep and you don't want the water to get in the waders because then that's how you drown. But uh, you catch redfish, you catch speckled trout, flounder. And then the great thing about saltwater fishing is you never really know what you're going to catch. Stingrays, I've seen sharks, uh, different types types of fish. All types of crazy sharks. Yeah. And then, man, if it's big enough, we throw it in the cooler, bring it back to the house, have a good old fish fry, and some cold beers for the boys. Oh, delicious. Fish doesn't taste better than when you catch it yourself, man. So it's just like the best time ever. We'll smoke some cigars. We'll just bro out.
0: Can we go can we go uh this weekend? I'm so excited. Uh, that's true. Well Hey, you have Uncle when, Mike's number, you can hit him up. Maybe I mean he loves you. Maybe I'll give Uncle Mike a shout. We did hit it off that first time. We kicked <laughs> it. You might be his son, honestly. <laughs> well, given that my dad and I kind of look very alike, and we—I got the same name as him. Maybe not, but yeah. me and Uncle Mike you do have just, a lot in common.
1: Yeah, you guys are alike.
0: Yeah, we see eye to eye on a lot of good things. Yeah. yeah, brother, brother Samuel, I think um I think we should get on to one of my favorite parts of the Hand Planet podcast, and yeah. This is the, as per tradition, hand planet podcast. Would you rather's? So, as always, I let I let the guests know. Might get a little crazy. Might get a little weird. Might get a little deep. Might get a little goofy. Might get a little stupid. I honestly don't know. It could, it could be crazy, but most importantly. They're going to be hilarious. And there's only one right. rule, senor. It's that you got to answer You got okay. to choose one option.
1: That's pretty easy. Okay.
0: Yep. And I'll, I'll, Wait, I'll, I'll, answer, I'll answer you too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Fire them at me, brother. Would you rather experience the beginning of planet earth or the end of planet earth? uh, And, and that's one thing I got to preface. Anything outside of the question is up to your interpretation.
1: So just, you know, you can't, I would say as a Christian man, the end of planet earth, while I believe that I'm going to go to heaven, uh, it sounds oh, yeah. like there's going to be a lot of other bad stuff going on. Um, I could imagine. You know, so, uh, I would have to say the beginning of time, the beginning of the earth, because then you get um, to see freaking Adam and Eve. You get to see the world being created. Uh, Adam and Eve. Animals.
0: I bet they were maybe, having a great time.
1: Yeah. Maybe you could pitch in a good word with the uh, big man upstairs. To create a an extra animal or two, you can customize one. You uh, could do all
0: types of stuff, honestly. If you were one of those first few people, I bet God yeah. was like, "Yo, you are the foundation of humanity.
1: What do we want to do?" You know, maybe throw an idea in my ear. It might be what he say. So, I think I would be there absolutely. That. Yeah, that sounds kind I, of cool. I one
0: hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. Yeah. All right. Question number two. Um, hold on. Still looking for question number two.
1: You, you had it somewhere in there. I, I,
0: I, I had it, but then I read it, and I'd rather not. So, would you rather, Senor Sam, live in an amusement park or a zoo for the rest of your life?
1: I would say an amusement park for sure. That's an easy one because, uh, I mean, you got things that want to kill and eat you in a zoo. You got things that poop in a zoo. It's going to stink. And uh, amusement park, if you live there, you have access to all the rides all the time. And I just think that'd be fun. I'm a huge roller coaster guy, I'm not scared of heights. Uh, What's your favorite I do love animals. The Titan. At Six Flags Over Texas, I, I've never I'm done the Titans. Away. I need to, dude. It's crazy. It's so the drop is so steep.
0: Oh my god! Every little... time I watch it happen, I'm just like, "Holy cow!" Yeah, big cow, <laughs> big, cow. big old it's, cow. That's what I say
1: too. Even when I'm on it, I just scream, "Holy cow!" And uh, there's a part when you go get to the bottom you go underground under this like little cement tunnel and it looks like it's going to take your head off. So you feel like you're, pl- you're plunging to death, but you live. It's, so it's really fun.
0: It's intense.
1: Yeah. I, I need uh, to do that. It. I like the Texas giant because it's wooden. It it's, is a classic. Uh, historic. It's got the name Texas in it. I love Texas through and through. So I mean, you can't go wrong with that one either. It's a little herky jerky, but Sorry.
0: yeah, it's it's it. Originally, when it was built, was the biggest roller coaster in Texas.
1: Yeah, yeah, and now I believe it's the steepest. Last I heard, is it the steepest drop? Yeah.
0: Well, it's definitely pretty scary because you don't know if the old wood might. Jundle and wundle around on you when you're
1: jundle. Yeah, and you gotta watch out for termites. Just you know, we got a termite problem in Texas, so they get yeah. hungry. I mean, could be your last Texas giant
0: <laughs> standing on its last leg. But more so power we... to you if you hop on that thing. I gotta you're do back. it though. It's kind of like a rite of passage.
1: Yeah, I mean, do it sooner than later because who knows what's going on with that wood, man.
0: Senor Samuel. Question number three on the Would You Rather Ham Planet specials. Senor, would you rather only be able to speak in rhyme or only be able to speak in alliteration? (laughs) I do like alliteration. I'm a huge alliteration Uh, guy. Maybe I overdo it, but I love it. There's only so much you can say with either one. You definitely got more options with alliteration. Alliteration is it, honestly insane. You can find any word that kind of fits what you're trying to say, at least yeah. to a pretty. Close I'm a degree. huge fan
1: of alliteration, and I think if you only spoke in rhyme, it would just annoy the crap out of people. I know for me, I would get really annoyed. Probably punch someone in the face. So I'm gonna go with alliteration, brother.
0: Same, brother. It, hanging out with the rhymer would be like hanging out with Malibu's most wanted 24 <laughs> seven, which yeah. Love Malibu, there,
1: but come on. It, it would be way too much, man. I would just get really fed up with that. I think that's an easy one.
0: Yeah. All right, yeah. brother. Moving right along. Would you rather lose uh-huh. all of your teeth or lose all of your hair?
1: okay all of the hair mean just the hair like on the top of my head or like all this eyebrows what we got <laughs> toe, toe hair
0: according to the traditional rules it's up to interpretation but i would assume it's only your
1: hair okay all right so we're just going to assume that it's the hair on my head up here i'm going to yes. say that that one for sure because there's a lot of bald people in this world that are super successful. Uh, I would give you a hundred dollars if you can show me a person who's super successful in this world that has zero teeth. Uh, and I mean, veneers are always an option, but
0: you got a damn good point there, Sam. I think you might be onto something,
1: but in this scenario, I would like to assume you can't like, if you lose your hair, you can't put on Rogaine. If you lose your teeth, you probably can't put on veneers. So yeah. Uh, let's go with the hair. That's an easy one. Give me a hard one.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We do hair as well because teeth are a very valuable asset and a beautiful smile is a huge part of who you are and how people, how people uh, see your first impression and a beautiful smile speaks volumes to who you are. And if you need someone to take care of your beautiful smile, you can always go see the wonderful Dr. Sandy Ham who's keeping Texans smiling. And she's the dentist of not only my smile, but also good old Sam Hilliards.
1: Right here. This is her work. Those I, I admit, if I didn't give a shout out to Sandy Ham, Peter's mother, she's been my dentist for as long as I can remember since she was back in Arlington. She's moved to Mansfield now, but man, if you want some quality work done in her teeth from a professional—not only a professional, but just a kind yep. woman, just yep. a loving woman—the best in the biz. She's the for you. She's the best in the biz. I mean, we got to be completely honest. She's the best. Shout out Sandy Ham.
0: Shout out Sandy Ham. Amazing woman, amazing Dennis. All right, brother Sam, moving right along. Let's see if we can get – let's see if we can get a pretty hard one. Let's see. These aren't loaded up already or just kind of – We we do have them loaded up, but we have a lot loaded up. Okay. I need to – I need to categorize them into like intense, funny, Yeah. thought-provoking, comedic. I don't know. Yeah. Greasy would definitely be a category. Greasy. Yeah, there's some of these. Some of these get a little greasy. Um, um, here we go. Would you rather stub all of your toes once a week for the rest of your life? Every week, you kick the shit out of something with both your feet, you stub all your toes. Or... You lose one finger right now for the rest of your life, and you can choose it. finger of your choice.
1: You lose one finger right now for the rest of your life? Yep. What does that mean?
0: You could say, like, all right. Choose oh, a okay, finger. you just
1: lose one. And the, other, o- one. the other question is what now?
0: You would, you would
1: stub all of your toes once a week. I think I go with one finger, man. People get by like that. I I mean, you don't need all your fingers. You need your thumbs, but you can lose like a ring finger or something.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people that still are extremely productive and missing parts of their fingers, their whole finger. Stubbing your toes sucks. And ladies and gents, your boys, Senor Samuel. And senor Pedro are back in action. Had to hit the loose. Had to hit the loose, senor. Yeah. And we enjoyed the Woody Rathers. I um, So much fun. There's some on the internet that are just a little too much. I'm not gonna lie.
1: But I they can get Rashi.
0: I like it. I think it's yeah. I think I think they're good to at least read. Good to know that you're not the person who's writing that insane shit.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Anyways, I absolutely want to get into a essential fond memory that Samuel and I share, and that is the birth and the beginning of a tradition. And a phrase that both Samuel and I use on a regular basis when we speak to each other. If you know me, you probably know that I've got a lot of words that I utilize frequently. Chief, brother, Verda. Good vibes. Get her going. Fire me up. All types of little short phrases. Absolutely fantastic. Which, if you're listening to the podcast... I hope you like those words, because they're probably going to keep being on the podcast.
1: You're going to hear them a lot.
0: You absolutely will hear them a lot. Ferda. Ferda. Another word you will also hear is the legendary senor. Senor. And the senor, sure, we do live in Texas, and a lot of Hispanic heritage is mixed into our culture, but... This phrase came into our life in a different way. It took a different path. And let's go ahead and turn back the clocks <laughs> to polar to 2009. I think it was 2009 Maybe 2008. 2009 or 2008. Over a decade ago, pretty long time yeah. ago. For sure. It's a lot. That's a lot of. It's a lot of years, a lot of days, a lot of hours, and this phrase has survived and persevered and thrives. So the Senor came to life on one brisk summer night in Mansfield, Texas. Myself, Samuel Hilliard, and my beloved cousin, the one and only Hunter Graham, were having a bro night. We were all in high school. We're we we're, we're young guns, sixteen year olds super happy to see each other and you know, I don't think we had seen each other in a while at that, at that point. And yeah. I think you guys just
1: got back from Culver. Um,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. I, well, I had just gotten back from, uh, um, my freshman year. Okay. Yeah. And I think Hunter went, Hunter went the three summers before, But anyways, so we are having a good old sleepover at Hunter's house, having a boys' night, you know, catching up, talking about all the nonsense that a 16-year-old fella talks about with the boys. And, you know, the midnight hour strikes. It's pretty dark outside, so I guess it's time to go lay down and go to bed. Nope, absolutely not. If you ask me, and if you ask Sam, and if you ask Sam that evening, he 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 wasn't about it either. He didn't want the night to end. We were having a good time. Yeah, but my beloved cousin Hunter, he he was a sleepy bear. He he had himself a long day. I think he had mowed the lawn that day, which it was dead in the middle of summer, so.
1: If anything makes Hunter tired, man, it's mowing the lawn. We all know that. We picked a bad night for this.
0: It it, uh, takes a lot to mow a lawn in the middle of the Texas heat. But, anyway, so we're all having a great night. And Hunter gets a little sleepy. And he says, boys, I'm going to bed. So, me and Sam as guests were like, ah, Okay. Fine, I guess I guess we'll sit on these love sack chairs on the ground near your bed and maybe we'll fall asleep, but probably not. So lights are off. The three boys chilling, posted up in the room. Hunter's trying to sleep. And then I yell Play Tap, senor and then Samuel quickly responds with an enthusiasm like none other and says, senor, play taps. And then from that moment on, a butterfly effect occurred where Sam and I were going back and forth saying, play taps, senor, senor, play taps. Come on, senor, play taps. And if you don't know what taps is, and if you're wondering what the hell is Pete saying right now? Taps is a traditional military song that they play when, well, they play it at a lot of things, but it's played when, you know, military forces are going to bed. It's played at ceremonies. It's played at military schools, which is where I heard it. And it was a song that was played every night on the trumpet before I would go to bed at Culver. So this was kind of like my bedtime story at the time. Sam, Sam, it wasn't his bedtime story, but Sam was my boy. And Sam was fired up. And Sam was on the same way. I think I
1: was just, uh, I, I knew that it was annoying the shit out of Hunter. And sure uh, I'm always on, I'm I'm on board for that. So I'm on board for anything like that. Oh yeah, I think that's the primary reason why I was joining, joining in with Pete. Uh, yeah, but, someone's uh, it was someone's got to do It was just fun. It was fun to say, "Senor, Senor, play taps." So we were screaming it at him, and he was hating it. The name, anyway, sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, that was spot on. Hunter was not having it. Hunter again was a sleepy, sleepy bear, and here he has two. Wild hooligans yelling, Senor, play taps. So Senor was probably said – Senor was probably uttered about 100 times within a 10-minute span. And you guessed yeah, it. at least. We did not fail. Taps was played. And Hunter loved it. And I loved it. And so did Sam. And that night was the birth of the beautiful word – or the beautiful usage of senor and it still lives on and thrives to this day and it's still utilized all the time when we talk and i use it with other people too but we are the og senors senor
1: yeah i mean we are and uh man <laughs> for me it's just like every time i tell that story it always sounds funnier in my head than yeah. uh, than how it actually sounds to people when I tell it to them, <laughs> it's kind of one of those it's, things. You definitely had to be there. They're like, uh, oh yeah, me. definitely. They're like what what are you talking about? So it was really funny because we like to mess with Hunter. We like to f with Hunter when he's sleepy, and he gets. It's really funny when he when he's grumpy and he <laughs> like yells at us, <laughs> and you you know that firsthand because he yells at you a lot. Like it's like, like poking so,
0: a grizzly bear. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like poking a grizzly bear, and. Uh, Man, but he joined in because he knew something special was afoot. And the, I mean, say the next day, we changed our Instagram handles. We changed yep. our Twitter handles to Senor. Um, and my Instagram name still to this day is Senor Samuelson. And yep. uh, no one understands what it means. I get no questions way. about it all the time. People call me Senor all the time just because of my Instagram. And every time I hear it, I just think back about that fateful night in August. I believe it was, and uh, it's legendary like a, like night. people don't understand. But it was one of the best nights of my life for whatever reason.
0: It was it was a night for the books. And ladies really and gents, was. if you are listening right now, still, you got to know that you have just been tapped in to a secret that is very sacred, and that is the secret, the secret society. Se- the secret society. Of the sacred senors <laughs> now have seen yeah. the truth. So Seriously? Senor Senor Samuelson, you know the truth. You know how the senor came to life. And give senor Samuel, senor Samuel's son, a follow on good old Insta Ferda. Follow me. It's easy. Gotta do it. Brother, one thing I definitely wanted to uh touch on is Brother, you know you're like family to me and love your family like it's family to me. And um, I know that both your mom and dad have been doing a lot of great things lately for LAS and research. And I would love for you to just kind of dive into that for a little bit.
1: So, I mean, yeah, um, my father was diagnosed with ALS Yep. in the late winter, I guess it was in like February of 2018. So, you know, it was just a really tough time for my family and me and uh, because, I mean, if you know my dad, I know you do, he just... He's kind of like a, a guy who is very he's a, physically amazing prominent. man. Oh yeah, he's an amazing man. He's very uh, driven and he works out every day, really early in the morning. And he's just kind of like a S- badass, soldier. Right? So, total uh, badass. And he's an orthopedic surgeon. Or he was an orthopedic surgeon, and uh, he is uh, just a great man in my opinion, and I believe in the opinion of many other people. One
0: so of the best guys.
1: Thank you. And uh, he was diagnosed in 2018, at the beginning of the year. And uh, it was very hard for me to talk about at first. But, you know, as time went on, I kind of realized, hey, you're not doing any good by just keeping it inside. Uh, it's not about you. It's about your dad. And it's about the ALS community and people who are suffering from it. And, 100%. Um, man, it's just uh, – yeah, so I realized there's more – it would be more beneficial for me to talk about it. And, and that's the number one thing for a while there that reporters and things like that wanted to ask me about. So it was right. tough, but I kind of had to just suck it up and, and uh, talk about yeah. it. And so it, we, uh, my family created a uh, organization called Team Hilliard. And uh, basically we have a Twitter and Instagram. It's called Team Hilliard. Uh, and uh, there there's a link that you can go to our website and you can donate you can buy merchandise you can do all this stuff all the proceeds go to ALS research because um ALS it's it's not like cancer it's it's a disease that is highly underfunded there's no cure like cancer but uh it is uh it's an underfunded disease that doesn't receive the same amount of attention i mean they both deserve great amounts but um Right. So basically, you know, there, there's hope. There is a great amount of uh, hope that there's going to be a cure in the near future. But if you, you know, you can go to a uh, social media, Instagram or Twitter, team Hilliard, click on the link and it'll take you there. You can buy a shirt, I love with it. my silhouette, my silhouette hitting a baseball on it. It's a damn good It's out. a damn good shirt. Uh, but yeah, so all the proceeds will go to ALS research. And, uh, it just means a lot to me and my family. Um, even if you just go check it out, you know, uh, it would mean a great deal if you donated too. But um, it just means a lot Absolutely. how much support that we've got, not only from you and Hams and Sandy, and, uh, but just from everybody uh, in our community, in our circle. Uh, you really realize who um, actually cares and how close you are to people whenever things like this, ha- you know, happen to you. So um, my dad is an extreme role model for me. The way he's handled it is extremely uh, just inspirational. And, uh, man, it's been tough on the family, but the way that he's handled it has made it a lot easier. And uh, just uh, shout out to my dad because he's my role model and he's the best. So there you go. Amen
0: to that, brother. I uh, I couldn't say it enough. The Hilliard family is doing has, – has always and continue to – continues to do such great things. And they're really helping lead the way with ALS research and, you know, finding finding a cure and um, doing a lot of great things within that community. And donate, get your shirt, show some love, and uh, give Team Hilliard a follow and definitely connect with them. And I highly encourage you to see how, how maybe you can contribute because um, if, if you know about ALS or if you know someone who's had ALS, which there, there are, it is a rare disease, but a lot of people around the world do know people who are affected by it. It's, um, it's something that uh, deserves, deserves a lot of attention. And I absolutely love to see Team Hilliard leading the way. And uh, I appreciate you touching on that, brother. Definitely hey, definitely appreciate it big time. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Senor, I gotta tell you, I'm hyped for Matagora Bay. And Funny. and I know we're gonna be reeling in the big ones. And
1: if you're with I me. Know, we will.
0: Yeah, I'm already on your team. As as uh as confirmed earlier in the podcast, I've reserved bachelor party rights to being on Sam's team.
1: You better talk to your cousin, the best man. He's setting oh, that shit up.
0: Oh, okay. I got to run it by
1: him. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I can do that. I can do that. I'm the groom, so I mean, I get final say, but yeah. I say you, we'll me- you're safe.
0: We'll make it happen, senor.
1: <laughs> yeah. Senor.
0: I gotta say that the podcast episode today was a special one. Always love shooting the breeze with you, brother, and it's it's a beautiful thing to see. Like, you know, we were shooting the breeze with each other when we were eight years old, and here we are, twenty five year old men. You're you're in the pros. I'm running a business. We're getting after it. Great things are happening and just a lot of good shit in our lives. Yeah. And uh always an honor speaking yeah, to
1: you. Hey, just once again I want to say thank you so much for having me on. Uh dude, like you said, it just feels feels right, feels normal that we're sitting here just shooting the breeze, as you say. Uh we've been doing it for years now, man. So I really hope I get to come on again. And I know next time I do it's going to be uh, popping off by then, dude. So, uh, oh, yeah. Thanks again, Senor. And uh, hey, I love, love you, brother. Senor.
0: Brother, much love. And ladies and gents, if you really enjoyed today's podcast, if you really love all the stories and the wisdom and the reflections and the seniors that me and Sam shared. <laughs> do us a favor share this podcast with your best friend with your mom with your dad with anyone who really needs a little bit of good vibes in their life because i believe no one can overdose on the good vibes and uh, i appreciate you spending some time with us hope we provided you some value in one way or another and as always keep the good vibes coming Remember to connect with Sam. Find him on Instagram at Senor Samuelson. And you're tossing Sam Hilliard into Google, you're probably going to find him. Go Rockies Nation. Hand-played podcast. Sign it off. Take it easy.